Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke or scroll to Luke 16 if it's on your phone. We are finally made our way back to the, our series in the Gospel of Luke, which feels like it's been going on forever, um, but I think we'll get it done at some point. So we're in Luke 16. We're going to go from verses 1 to 13. So I'm going to read. He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is it that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master has taken the management away from me, and I'm not strong enough to dig? So he's weak, and I'm ashamed to beg, this is prideful, I've decided what to do so that I, when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their house. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to, the, to another, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat, he said. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. And the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. I'm not going to lie to you, I read every single book I had this week on this passage, because it's real tricky. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who, has, who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you, uh, to you true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other." You cannot serve God and money. And the title of the message is, Let's Be Sensible with Our Sense. And that's because Jesus wants us to be wise when, he, when it comes to money. And that's why he tells this story. Jesus wants you managing your money. He doesn't want your money managing you. And so he brings this parable. And this story, we meet this manager and the first thing you need to notice about this guy is that he's actually irresponsible. In verse two, in verse one, it says, he was wasting his master's possessions. And this is what the prodigal son did in, 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 in chapter 15. That's why Luke here, he actually uses the same verb. They're both selfish. See, what you got to understand with irresponsible people is they're only thinking about themselves. 
They don't consider how this selfish act of irresponsibility, how it actually might affect somebody else. And what this text had me doing this week is asking myself the question, where in my life am I being irresponsible? And then I had to ask a second question. You might want to ask yourself this too. If I don't stop being like that, if that habit doesn't stop in my life, how is it going to affect me and the other people that I love? So where am I being irresponsible? This next one, do you know about this guy? He ruined his reputation. It says in verse two, that he says that he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Word's gotten out. He's not the kind of person that you can trust to give weight and responsibility to. This is one of the ripple effects that happens in your life. Do you realize that? When you're irresponsible, people can't trust you. And, it's, and when you lose the trust of the people in your life, you got to understand that it can take years to rebuild it. And sometimes that trust actually never comes back. And it's just a polite distance that actually it starts to happen in your friendship and relationship with that person. You need to be wise. Irresponsibility affects your reputation. Here's this next one. He was a fraud. He was a fraud. Verse 4 says, he says, I have decided what to do. So he's, he's like, the management is going to be taken away from me. I am not going to be able to do this job that I was entrusted with. And in the, the way the verb works, is like he actually has like this moment where he goes, Eureka! It's like, I have decided what to do. He says, so that when I'm removed from management, people may receive me into their house. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So he decides to tamper with the books. He decides to do something unethical. He actually makes his master's debtors his debtors. Now here's what you shouldn't miss. Notice in the text that he makes them take their bill and change it. You're like, why are you showing me that? Because he made them participate in his fraud. He, sin breeds more sin. And he chooses to sin and then he draws them into his sin. When you choose to sin in your life, you are probably going to make it so that other people begin to sin. If you choose the sin of unforgiveness, you're going to breed bitterness maybe in another person and unforgiveness in them. If you choose to be selfish, you might breed selfishness in someone else. See, sin breeds more sin. Verse 8 says, the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of of light. Here's what you got to understand. This is, a, this is a really important piece of this passage. The master commended him, not Jesus. You notice that? The master commended him for his shrewdness, not Jesus. Now you got to understand, he still fired him, but he respected the hustle. He still fired him, 
but he respected the fact that he had some foresight. And that's, that's what you've got to understand. It says, the sons of this world are more shrewd than the sons of light. And that verse right there is the key to understanding the entire parable. Here's what Phil Riken says. There's a legitimate moral difference between saying, I applaud the clever steward because he acted dishonestly and saying, I, I applaud the dishonest steward because he acted cleverly. The master was saying the latter, not the former. And this is the key to understanding the parable. Jesus was not coming out in favor of fraud or telling us that it's right to cheat people. He was not saying that dishonesty is the best policy. Instead, he was giving an example of how clever worldly people can be when they act in their own best interest. He knew the end was coming. He knew that he wasn't going to be manager forever. And so he made a move to secure his future. And that's the way Jesus wants you to use money. He wants you to be sensible. Because here's why. Your end is coming too. I said it last week. You're going to die. Right. I'm not up, all right, I'm not up here alone. I'm going to die. You're going to die. Marcus Aurelius said, every day more of, more of life is used up and less of it is left. We move daily closer to death. Daily closer to death. And that's why we need to continue to use money. Listen to me on this. You need to continue to use money with your eternal future in mind. You're going to die. You need to use money with your future in mind. Look at verse 9. And I tell you, this is Jesus now speaking to his disciples and us. I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. So they may receive you into heaven. He says, make friends for yourself by unrighteous wealth. And you should be like, how do you do that? How do you make friends with unrighteous wealth. Well, just flip back to Luke 12, 33. Luke 12, 33 says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with treasure in heaven that does not fail. Do you see that? That does not fail. Where a thief, no thief approach, and no moth destroys. This is the way to be shrewd with money. You're like, how do I make friends that will welcome me into eternal dwellings? Give to the needy. Be generous. Choose to give away that thing that is so easy for us to fall in love with. Give to those in need. That's the way to be shrewd. And here's the thing, these people that, these friends that you make, they'll be your welcoming committee into heaven. Remember, I kept, I'm saying it again, you're going to die. I want you to, I want you to walk out of here being so aware of that. It could happen today. But you can live your life in such a way that if that happens, there'll be some people waiting on you because you bless them. 
Heaven has a welcome ministry. These friends, the needy, the people all around us, and they're, they're, they're in our congregation, they're in our community. You can gift, and then when you get there, they're doing one of these. Not one of these. Mm. Give to those in need. Jesus wants us to be sensible with our sense. He wants you to be shrewd with money. That's why he tells you some things about money in this text. He goes on. Here's this first one. Money can deceive us. Money can deceive you. In verse 9, it's called unrighteous wealth. That's a reference to the fact that, that it's actually temporary. The phrase could be unrighteous mammon. And the idea there is that you're, it's not the thing to put your trust in. Because here's the thing. It's a, it's, it, it, look at it in verse 9. And I tell you, make for yourselves friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails... Money can deceive you into thinking you will have it forever. Especially when you have a lot of it. You start to think that if, because I have this thing, because my bank account looks a certain way, because my investments are a certain way, I'm secure. And it becomes a thing that you are putting all of your trust in. And what the Bible says is not to trust your treasures, but to trust your king who will never fail you. There's a day when money will be gone, but God will be there. And the question is going to be asked to you, who are you trusting in? The thing that will fail or the thing that never fails? And so again, you need to ask yourself the question, am I being deceived by the, my bank account? Am I trusting in the wrong thing? Here's this next one. Money is a stewardship. Money is a stewardship. Verse 10. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonor, dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will, uh, will entrust to you true riches? And if you have not been faithful, here it is, in that which is another's. You should just mark it. In that which is another's. Who will give you that which is your own. That which is another's. What did I tell you? The thing that is in your life, the thing that is so tempting to fall in love with, money, doesn't belong to you. It's on loan. No matter how much of it you get, God is saying, this is mine. And I am trusting you with it. And I am trusting you to behave in a way that says, you know that it's mine. I'm trusting you to make moves that tells me that you are aware that this thing does not belong to you. Because again, another way it deceives us. When you have a lot of it, you're like, mine, 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 mine. And usually when it's mine, 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 it's just being spent on you, 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 nobody else. And that's called unrighteous living. Living opposite of the way that God has designed us to live. Notice that the word faithful comes up four times, I counted, in these verses. Four times. 
Because God wants you to be wise and represent him well with the way you handle his belongings. Faithful. Here's the thing. Let me give you some motivation to be faithful. Help me. You have to give an account for how you handle what belongs to somebody else. You have to give an account for what belongs to somebody else. And you're like, prove it. Yeah, go back to verse 2. And he called to him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. The steward, the manager, had to go back and see the owner. And he had to explain to him what he did with what belonged to him. It's the same thing. There's going to be a day when we're going to stand in front of God, and he's going to ask, Marv, did you really need to buy six pairs of J's? Did you think that was the wisest way? I don't have six. You're all wondering. Three. Three. Not. Yes. Yes. Let me just do my work up here. Come on. You have to. I'm going to be. Never mind. Let me just keep going. You have to give an account. And here's the thing. If you handle it well. If you handle it well, you'll be entrusted with more responsibility. That's the thing. Look at verse 10. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonorable in much. If you are faithful, you'll be given more. Okay, I don't fully know what that means, but in the eternal, you are going to have greater responsibilities when you get to glory. I'm not going to try to explain that to you. God will work that out when we get there. The thing is, be wise and be sensible now. I want you to also notice the word dishonest. Because that word reminds you that stewardship requires good character. Good stewardship requires good character. It also tells you that money tests character. Money will test your character. It'll test, in Proverbs, what does it say? It gives me, give me poverty nor riches. When you have it, it'll test you in the sense of, you, again, you'll start trusting in it. It'll, and when you don't have a lot of it, it might, te- it might test that you kind of sort of like idolize it. I got to get it. I got to get it. It tests character. Here's the other thing. It reveals character. It doesn't build it. It only shows what's already going on inside. It reveals character. It shows and says the way you behave with it says a lot about you. Here's the thing. You're telling people all the time who you are. Do you know that? Your actions are always speaking. And when it, the people in your life, when they look at the way you vibe and move with money, they know, all, they know a lot about you. And so the question is, what are you saying? What are you telling them? It reveals character. This last one, money can become our master. Money can become our master. Verse 13 says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate one or love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. You have everybody in this world, 
has to make a choice in their life, a fundamental choice. Am I going to be about money or am I going to be about God? Am I going to serve God or am I going to serve money? We, we face it every day. And I've been going at money a little bit, but let me make something very clear. Money is a necessary tool. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. Money is a necessary tool. You need to make it. You need to save some of it. You need to be wise and invest some of it. Again, I can, if you want, you can talk to me after. I can, I can show you in Proverbs all these ways that you're told. It's necessary. It's needed. But you can't and should not worship it. A necessary tool. See, money is not bad. It's the love of money that gets people into trouble. The love of money can be like Velcro. And it, it can latch on to your life and then just take over. And a, a passage like this, what it does is that it's actually forcing us to do a little reflecting. What, 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 what's the dominant thing in my life? What has taken over? What has hold of me? Is it a love for God or is it a love for money? Let me give you some signs that a person might be chasing money. Because I want us to assess. You are ignoring your relationship with God in order to build wealth. So I need to, I need to slow down. I need to, I need to get to know God. I need to grow with God. But mm, that's just kind of on the side. My relationship with him is just taking a back seat. Because all I'm thinking about is how can I get more of this thing? It's become your God. You're always thinking and talking about money. Somehow, some way, it just always kind of comes up. You're doing corrupt and unethical things to get it. And again, God sees. God knows. You can fool us, but you can't fool God. And in the end, it all comes out anyway. You're hoarding it and struggling with, with being generous. Ooh, if I, if, I, if I give this person, you know, 50, what, what that might mean for me. I know they need it. I know this would bless them. I know this would give them a sense that God sees them and that God is using people in their life to help them get by. But, you know, I just... This next one, you're overworking and undervaluing time with family and friends. It's time, to, it's time to clock out. It's time to, you know, it's time to settle down. It's time to make the people that I love, who love me and trust me, make them know that they matter to me, that they're valuable. Yeah, maybe I'll just you know, pick up a little, little, another little side gig just to get a little bit more. You're making multiple risky investments with what God has given you to steward. It's good to invest. It's not good to be risky and unwise, just to get a little bit more. How many families have been, you know, or people's, not just families, lives falling apart because it just, somebody just pushed a little bit more. This next one, you're trying to manipulate people into giving it to you. And I brought that one up because that's what can happen in church. Oh, we're not meeting the budget. Maybe we just go, let's go at them in this way. No pressure, no pressure, no pressure. 
Just sow a seed. It's true. And when the church behaves like that, you know what they're saying? I don't trust God. Sometimes, you know, you don't meet the budget because God's just like, you don't actually need that. I will say it again. Sometimes that's what's going on. God's just like, yeah, just tighten the belt a little bit there because that's just excess. But the manipulation can start because we're like, oh, we have to have that thing in order to minister. No, you don't. Simplicity is beautiful, ain't it? But sometimes when we can get it all twisted and we start to manipulate and twist people's arms, don't get me wrong, it's good to fund the work of the ministry, but it needs to be reasonable and not in a way that abuses and pushes God's people around so they're doing things in an unwise way just to fund your thing. We don't manipulate. When you're out there chasing the bag, do you know what you're doing? You're worshiping creation, not the creator. And we're designed to live in a way that says my life is fully invested in God. That is who I am worshiping, no one else. You serve money when you fall in love with money. You serve others and love them and bless them with money when you are in love with God. When you love God, you're like, this thing in my hand is just a tool that I'm supposed to use in service to the king. To bless others. The motto of our life is not get rich or die trying. 50 cent is lying. (laughs) It's to love others and bless them with what God has given. That is the way we are supposed to live. That is the way you make friends that will welcome you into eternal dwellings. Again, you're going to die. And when you get there, ask yourself, is anybody going to want to kick it with me? Will I have some friends who are just like, come here, brother. Friends who welcome you into eternal dwellings. This text reminds you, here's a key thing. The text reminds you that there's more to come. There is more to come. And money can get you focusing on this life. Jesus wants you using money in a way that makes sure that you are loved and appreciated in the next life. There's more to come. And so because there's more to come, today is the day, tomorrow's the day, next week's the day, the rest of your life, the aim of my life and your life, Jesus says, is to be sensible with your sense. To be sensible with what God has entrusted to you because we will have to give an account because there's more to come. And so it's good and wise not to live for now, but to live for later. To use what God has given you to be a blessing, to serve, to help. If you want to be shrewd with your money, this is going to sound different than what you hear. You want to be shrewd with your money? Give it to those in need. And as you give, say, God, I'm giving, and I trust that as I give, you're going to provide. What did we sing earlier? You're a provider. Mm-hmm. 
And I only have this because you gave it to me in the first place. And so as I give it away, it's a declaration that I trust you more than the resources in my life. Because they can be gone in a moment. But God's always there. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks. Let's stand and pray. God, we give you thanks. That your word is very clear. That it's always telling us the truth, Lord God, about who to trust in, where to put our hope. And I pray, Father, that we would go away and reflect and look at our life and ask ourselves, where's my hope? What am I trusting in? Is it the resources in my life or is it my king? Father, you are, you are good. And you love to bless and take care of those who sacrificially give things away and trust you. God, it's good and wise for us to take care of our responsibilities, to pay the things we owe, all those kinds of things. But it's also good, wise, and loving to give to those in need who are around us, those friends, Lord God, who will welcome us into eternal dwellings. God, there's more to come in our life. And so I pray that you would help us to be wise, not to just live for this moment, but to live for the life to come, where we will get to be with you and brothers and sisters who we have loved and served with the resources you have entrusted to us. I pray, Lord God, that all of us would stand before you at the end of our life and you'd be able to look at us and say, well done, because of the way we have behaved with what you have entrusted to, to our care. God, money should never be our king. I pray that you would be our king of kings all the time, always, in every moment. Help us to be wise with what you have entrusted to us, to steward it well, and to use it to minister to those in need around us. Help us to be shrewd, we pray, in Jesus' name, to think about our future, to think that there's more to come. and to be wise in the moments that you give us now, to be sensible with our sense. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.